Good to see you back this evening. We are approaching modesty in our series on elephants in the church. And I realize when you preach on modesty, you run a risk. There's a few risks involved. First of all, there's the risk that maybe you're not hard enough or condemning enough. You know, a lot of these issues we've been discussing on Sunday evenings are very divisive issues. And you run the risk of always making somebody angry because either you're too lenient or you're too harsh. And so that's one risk. Another risk that's involved is that some might consider you to be a stick in the mud, old-fashioned preacher, prudish, out of touch with reality, believing in some sort of Puritan type of concept, like all women should wear dresses down to their ankles and turtlenecks and long sleeves. That's not me. Okay? I realize you run the risk of that, but that's not me. And of course, the final risk, and one that bothers me the most, is that a, a lesson like this could be offensive. And I don't want to offend anybody. I never want to offend anybody with my preaching. Now, obviously, I am not so light in my conviction that that keeps me from speaking things that could be taken in an offensive manner. But I don't seek to hurt anyone's feelings with any type of sermon that I do. But I say all that to say that there are certain risks involved in preaching this series and in preaching a lesson on modesty. But here's what I believe. I believe from a biblical standpoint, we have gotten modesty completely wrong. As Christians, we have made modesty to be an issue that is absolutely not the biblical issue. This isn't about the hemline. This is about the heart. This isn't about whether your shorts are four inches above the knee or four inches below the knee. And what makes this issue so difficult is because it is really subjective in nature, isn't it? I mean, we all understand the extremes. We know that it would be an extreme situation and wrong if a woman walked through those doors and came into our auditorium to worship wearing a bikini. We know that. We know that a guy coming in without a shirt on, wearing shorts and flip-flops, would not be appropriate. But aside from the extremes, it's really a subjective issue, and that's what makes it difficult. Where do we land? Because your idea of modesty may be very different than mine. And so that's what makes it difficult as well. But here's the thing. When it comes to modesty, it's not just about wearing too little. In fact, you realize the Bible talks about wearing too much when it comes to the issue of modesty. And I never, I never hear anyone griping about somebody wearing too much in the way of being too formal when it comes to worship. I can remember one time many years ago when I was teaching the youth, we had a young lady come in the classroom. I was standing outside the door of the classroom greeting people as they walked in. This young lady was wearing a dress that I, I didn't pay any attention to, but apparently it caught the eye of one of the ladies in the church. And she came to me seething mad and said, I hope you're going to say something to her. And my response was, why are you angry? What's your problem? Why are you angry? I mean, I understand if you think that maybe her dress is a little too short. Why are you mad? And let me tell you something, folks. Me saying anything to that young lady is not going to help the situation. It's not Blake's job to preach on modesty. It's mom and daddy's job, right? 
So even tonight, as I preach on modesty, I'm not saying it's going to help a whole lot until it's fixed at the home. I've preached, I've preached on modesty many times in my house. I've preached on it here. But until we make it the right issue, we're never going to wrap our minds around it. This is not about the hemline. It's not about four inches above the knee or four inches below the knee. This is about the heart, first and foremost. All that being said, I'm compelled to preach on this topic, and here's why. Because I think, for one, we need to properly define exactly what it is that we're talking about when we talk about modesty. Modesty means different things to different people. So let's cut through the confusion and let's land on something concrete. If you look in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, this is what is written. It says, Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. The issue of modesty is not just about wearing too little. It's not just about showing too much skin. Clothing can be immodest without being sexually provocative. That's a point that Paul makes very clear and a point that I think we need to, to see clearly in our society and in our definition of modesty. The term modesty in this passage is defined as a sense of, of shame or honor. It's bashfulness, reverence, regard for others, or respect. Modesty says, I don't want the attention. I'm embarrassed by the spotlight. Paul's perspective of modesty has to do with fancy clothing and jewelry for the purpose, the sole purpose of bringing attention to ourselves. I rarely hear people make a fuss over someone dressing too nice, but that's the context of Paul's words. Peter states something similar. In 1 Peter chapter uh, 3, starting in verse 1, he writes, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be hidden let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Now, the phrase that should stick out to you there, and you can underline it in your Bible, is this. Your adornment must not be merely external. Peter is not saying that Christian wives should pay no attention to their appearance, nor is he saying that they should be careless in the way that they dress. He is warning about the display of an outward appearance for the purpose of garnering attention. In essence, Peter is stating that Christian wives are not to depend on a display of apparel and for attractiveness in order to gain attention. A Christian woman, and really man for that matter, should draw attention by their character and the good works that come from a heart that is adorned with Christ. That's really what it's about. Now, there are some adherents in other religions that take this too far, and so they don't wear jewelry, they don't wear makeup, they wear long hair, they don't braid it, they keep it up, and they wear long dresses down to their ankles because they believe that's what this passage is teaching. But folks, that's to miss the point entirely. That's not the point of the passage. If it was, they can't wear dresses either because the approach is wearing dresses also. The point is 
Don't dress in a way to solely bring attention to yourself. Let people recognize you for your good works, for your heart, and the things that come from your heart. Another mistake that we often make when talking about modesty is that we set a standard that is not biblical. Many times I've been asked to preach on modesty, and when it came around to it, what they really wanted me to preach on was men wearing a suit and tie in worship. That's not modesty. That's not the issue of modesty. That has nothing to do, that's your personal preference. That's an opinion, and it's okay to have that opinion, but it's not a biblical mandate. Sometimes we make modesty about what we think a person should wear in worship, and it has nothing to do with wearing too little from a provocative standpoint sexually. It has everything to do with the women shouldn't wear pants and the men should wear a suit and tie. That's a cultural mandate. It's, a, it's, a, it's an opinion at best. But it's not a scriptural mandate. And sometimes in order to, to further the argument, we go back to the Old Testament. And we say, well, you look at the priests and what they wore when they came before God. And they had these very detailed instructions about what they were to wear. So see, we should wear our best when we come to worship. Folks, that's hypocritical. Because that's doing the very thing that we condemn. I mean, how many times have you had a discussion with someone about instrumental music, and they say, well, they used them in the Old Testament. And what do we say? Well, you're going to sacrifice animals too? We're doing the same thing when we go to the Old Testament to confirm a New Testament practice, and that should be something we just steer clear of. Here's the deal. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to wear your best to worship. Do I understand the concept? Yes. Do I even agree with the concept to some degree? Yes. But what's your best? And who gets to decide that, right? And how many times has, quote-unquote, formal attire divided a congregation? I've seen it happen. We're dividing over suits and ties? Seriously? That's going to be our issue? That's the hill we're going to die on? When it's not even a biblical mandate anyway? When what the Bible talks about is wearing too much. Bringing attention to yourself by wearing too much. So we have to understand what the real issue here. The real issue isn't a suit and tie. The real issue isn't about wearing your best. The real issue isn't about women, whether they can wear pantsuits or whether they can wear dresses. That's not the issue. So we've got to stop setting a standard that's not even biblical to begin with. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want us to treat our dress as too casual when we come to worship. But again, that alone is subjective as well. And that becomes difficult. I also don't want us to set a standard that's not biblical, and I don't think we need to be nonchalant about what we wear, but I also don't think that we need to be judgmental about what others wear. I'm not willing to be guilty of dividing the church or causing strife over what someone wears, and I shouldn't be so judgmental to assume that someone is being irreverent or they don't care about coming before God because of what they wear. That's not my place. That's not my job. What we wear is largely defined by culture, isn't it? What we wear today when we come to worship is very different than what they wore in the first century. What we wear in the 21st century is even different than what they wore in the 20th century. Go back and watch some footage of Babe Ruth hitting a home run, and you look in the stands and you see what people are wearing. All the men were in suits and ties, weren't they? People were dressed to the hilt. It's not what you wear anymore to a baseball game. 
You can choose to wear that, but that's just not the culture anymore, right? It's like me and my dad. We sit and we watch a football game, and we disagree vehemently. We disagree on a lot of things when it comes to kind of our place in life. He's an older, old-fashioned guy. He's a, he's a conservative guy, and, and I think I am too. But when it comes to some of these things, he's very old school. For instance, the NFL. I don't watch the NFL much unless it's the Cowboys, but my dad's like, you know, I, I can't stand them celebrating in the end zone. I mean, act like you've been there before, and I kind of like it. I mean, let it be entertaining as long as it's in good taste, right? I mean, the NFL, these guys are getting paid millions, and I'm watching to see some entertainment. I don't care if they dance in the end zone, but he doesn't like that. But one thing that we disagree on is we're watching college football, and Oregon is playing. Have you ever watched Oregon play college football? They've got these flashy uniforms, right? They have a different uniform every week. And they're really flamboyant. They're a lot of color. I mean, I think they look really good. My dad hates them. I can't stand that they wear those uniforms. I like Penn State. Simple, just a stripe on their helmet. Simple uniforms, that's the way it should be. Plain Jane. And I disagree. I like the color. I like the flamboyant. I, I like all that. But whether I like it or whether he likes it, it doesn't matter. It's a recruiting tool. The kids like it. And if you want to get the good players, that's one way to do it, right? We have differences of opinion. We're going to have differences of opinion. Some of you rue the day that we ever got rid of the suit and tie. If you watch, if you look in our worship services today, it's not as prevalent as it used to be. And you may, you may regret that. You, you may long for the days when everyone dressed differently. But what we wear kind of evolved. It changes. It's it's altered from, from whatever era we're in. And we shouldn't be willing to die on a hill that says, okay, we need to go back to the old way, and I'm going to make that, that opinion of mine on the level of Scripture, and I'm willing to divide over that. All that being said, all that being said, there is a reason why we make our preacher training camp kids dress in a suit and tie when they preach. You realize that? There is a reason why during the week we make them wear a tucked-in shirt with pants. There's a reason. There is a reason why when I was coaching and we went to play on the road somewhere, I made my boys wear slacks, a button-up shirt, and tie. And the reason why is because dress is not neutral. It says something. You can't argue that. Now, our standard may be subjective, but you can't argue that dress says something. It's not neutral. The Bible speaks of people wearing sackcloth to proclaim their penitence and humility before God. Proverbs 7 and 10 mentions dressing like a harlot. Your dress makes a statement. In certain situations, in certain venues, your dress says something. The world certainly understands this. You may not know this, but during the hijacking of the Santa Maria in 1967, the women on board stopped wearing provocative clothing. They covered up as much as they could and tried to be as, as unattractive as they could because they didn't want to entice the terrorists to rape them. Mary Quant, London fashion designer and inventor of the miniskirt, has stated that the miniskirt or mini clothes are symbolic of those girls who want to seduce a man. When asked where miniskirts and mini clothes was all leading to, she replied with one word, sex. The world understands it. They get it. We've got to get it as well, that our dress says something. 
Our clothing says something. Our attire speaks. And like it or not, people around us are listening to what we're wearing. We don't tell the preacher training camp boys that they have to wear a suit and tie when they preach on Sunday because it's some standard that the Bible has set and, and, and we can't argue with it. We don't tell them that. We don't believe that. And we don't tell them that wearing a suit and tie is the only way that you can do this. It's the only appropriate attire for when you come to worship when you preach. We don't tell them that either. Part of it is because when they get away from mom and dad and during the week, they would wear some things that probably, you know, they wouldn't care much about. And so it's kind of a way that we can make it all uniform and, and kind of have, you know, some sort of say in what they look like. And some of them won't take a shower or comb their hair. So you've got you to set some sort of standard, right? I'm not kidding about that. That's true. But when it comes to preaching on Sunday, we want them to feel confident. And don't you feel more confident when you're dressed up? Some of you feel really uncomfortable. You know, I've always said 10,000 years from now, they're going to dig all us men up and they're going to they're know what killed us. It's all these ties, you know. I think ladies invented ties, I think, for that reason. But you know, when it comes down to it, you, you feel more confident when you're dressed up. You feel more sure of yourself, I think. And so that's one reason. Another reason is because we want you to look presentable. Comb your hair. Look nice. Because people will listen to your message more when they're not distracted by what you're wearing, right? Look good. You feel good. There was a reason why when I was coaching every couple of years, I tried to get new uniforms. And I tried to get the uniforms that they I tried to keep in touch with what they wanted, what they liked. My dad watches basketball. Oh, I can't stand those baggy shorts. I'm like, I like the baggy shorts. I wouldn't wear the things you wore when you played. Stay in touch with what the kids want. It didn't matter if I liked them or not. If that's what they liked, and it was within reason, that's what I wanted them to wear because it was neat when they put on those new uniforms for the first time. Right, Greg? They put on those new uniforms. They get out there to play. Just, they, they walk a little differently. They act a little, and it didn't make any of mine play any better, but they felt a little better about themselves. You feel better when you look good. Your dress makes a statement. There's, there's something about it. Here's another Another risk, though, it's the risk of being too loose or too legalistic. Some can think that you're too much of a Puritan, while others may think that you come down a little too hard. But here's the point that we often miss. Modesty is not about style or fashion, not about makeup or adornments. It's not about imposing dress codes, although I understand why we do. When we speak of modesty from a biblical viewpoint, we're not talking about subjective standards. We're not talking about how short is too short. First and foremost, modesty is an issue of the heart, and modesty should be an inside-out approach. Notice Galatians 3, 26 and 27. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Some version states, for as many as, as you ha have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. To clothe yourself in Christ, to put on Christ, is to adorn yourself with his characteristics. It is to become Christ-like in heart, because a heart clothed with Christ will seek to clothe the body in a modest fashion, because he or she realizes that when you put on Christ, you're a new creature in Christ. And a new creature lives to serve the Lord in every aspect of their lives, in conduct, in speech, in the way that he lives, and also in the way that he dresses. The heart of the issue when it comes to modesty is an issue of the heart. 
Read through Proverbs 31 sometime. When it describes the virtuous woman, if you'll notice, everything about that woman in the description were things pertaining to her character and her integrity. Not her physical appearance. Not what she wore. You go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 9 and 10. Likewise, I want a woman to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. What is stressed here is the internal. It's the heart. What's in the heart should be reflected in how we are adorning ourselves. What's on the inside should determine what we wear on the outside. Godliness is a product of the heart. And a heart that is given to God will show itself outwardly. One whose heart is adorned with Christ will properly adorn his or her exterior. What we are on the inside should shine through to the outside. Godliness must permeate every area of our lives. This is an all or nothing proposition. And we cannot apply godliness to certain aspects of our to our lives and then reserve the right to act or, or say or, or dress in any way that we choose in other areas of our lives. Jesus was not about appearance. You remember Isaiah chapter 53, for he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. It wasn't about his outward appearance. It wasn't about what you saw on the outside. It wasn't about the coating. It's about the heart about who he was as a man his character his reputation that's what it should be about with us as well modesty is as much an issue of motive as it is anything else we want to make it about inches we want to get a ruler out to see if our shorts are so many inches above or so many inches below the knee we make modesty an issue of meeting some arbitrary standard but the bible points to the heart when it comes to modesty do your clothes serve a practical purpose or are you just trying to gain attention are you trying to draw attention to yourself? That's the biblical definition. When it talks about speaking against or when it talks about immodesty, it's the person who is dressing simply to draw attention to themselves. And you know as well as I do, that's not just about wearing too much braided hair and gold jewelry, as, as Peter mentions. That's also about wearing too little in order to draw the eye of the opposite sex. We've got to be careful there as well. This is really a pride issue when you think about it. As I already stated, dress is not neutral. What we wear says something. It could say, what you wear could say, look at how much money I have. What you wear could say, look at how beautiful my body is, how shapely my body is. It could say, look how trendy I am. But it's all related to pride. It's all about bringing attention to myself by what I wear. We all like nice clothes. We all like to wear nice things. I don't believe that's what's condemned. I believe what's condemned when it comes to being immodest is the fact that we wear too little in order to draw attention to ourselves or we, or we overdo it simply for the purpose of bringing attention to ourselves. Some people may not be able to see that. Some people may not know that you have on a suit that costs a million dollars. But what's in your heart? Why did you put it on? Again, that's something we don't talk about, right? When we talk about wearing your best, a million-dollar suit would be your best, right? Now we get into stewardship issues, right? But we, we talk about that some other time. What's your motive? Is your motive purely to bring attention to yourself? 
Or are you going to let your heart speak? Are you going to adorn yourself with Christ and let that be the number one priority in your life? And let everything else flow from that. How you behave, what you say, how you act, but also how you dress. The world says be proud of how you look. Show it off. But God says stop looking at yourself. Look at me. Be like Christ. Stop listening to the world. So just to recap, here's the takeaway from this sermon on modesty. Modesty is not anti-fashion. Modesty is about the heart and motive, not just clothing. Modesty is not just wearing too little. It could be wearing too much. And modesty is about who you worship. Do you love God or do you love self? This can really come down to a pride issue. Every day we make thousands of decisions probably, at least hundreds of decisions. And one of those decisions probably all of us make every day is what am I going to wear? And when we think about what we're going to wear, some of us don't put much thought into it. Some of us put a lot of thought into it. But what should be our number one concern is not necessarily what we're wearing day to day, but how we're adorning our heart. Are we dressing up the heart? Are we putting on Christ each and every day? We look at putting on Christ as if that's a one-time deal that we do at baptism. That's a daily decision. Are we going to adorn ourselves with Christ? And are we going to be somebody that brings glory to God by the way that we act and, and the, way that we, the way that we speak, the way that we behave? Are we seeking to make a difference in the world around us by adorning our heart with Christ and letting that shine through and affecting every other aspect of our lives. We've gotten so off track when it comes to this issue. We have totally missed the point so many times when it comes to modesty. This isn't about the hymn line. It's about your heart. If you need prayers this evening, if we can help you in some way, if you're someone who's ready to study the Bible with someone, or maybe you have studied the Bible, you're ready to put on Christ, you're ready to clothe yourself in Christ tonight, you're ready to put him on in baptism, then let's do that. I hope this series has been beneficial to you. We're going to continue in the next few weeks. We're going to discuss racism, let's discuss politics, which may be the most polemic. Uh, we're going to discuss one that I do not look forward to at all, and that is divorce. So we're going to look at those over the next few weeks. I hope you'll continue to come with us, and I hope, if nothing else, this, this series has caused, caused you to think. It's really what we want is to cause you to think and maybe uh, land on something concrete. So Kevin's going to lead us in a song. If you have a need tonight that we can help you with, come forward now as we stand and as we sing.